Shows, a stream of consciousness news podcast with Stephen Jackson and Brandon R. Reynolds. Stephen, there's something that I have been wondering about for the past couple of weeks, maybe even a couple of months. We definitely have not talked about this, but it's something that has been eating away at me about... Yeah, about um I mean about you, I guess, and it's one of those like <laughs> it's a it's a like it's a hypothetical, like it's a moral right. hypothetical. You know, there's there's questions like what would you do if situation. Sure. And this is one that feels very specific to you. Sure, you know, I like a I like hey, I like a good thought experiment. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. It is a thought experiment couched in the real world. Anytime something's couched in something, it's, you know, it it kind of puts a little bit of mustard on the hot dog. You know what I mean? This is couched as hell. (laughs) This is hella couched. Steven, you're a surfer. We've made no bones about that on the show. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And as you may know, (laughs) Steven, as you may know. I just uh, like, I just wonder where this is going. (laughs) There's an otter, Steven. There's a sea otter that is floating off of the coast of California up near Santa Cruz. Up near Santa, Santa Cruz. Cruz. Yeah. Yep. Terrorizing surfers. Yeah. He's having himself a day, dude. Like, he is. It's a girl. He, it's a she. Oh, my gosh. Look at me. Yeah. Gendering. She, she's making a meal of it. She's there for it sure is. making a meal of it. Yeah. Her name is Otter841. They give them numbers. And since July, she's been roaming the coast up and down, jumping on surfer surfboards, biting their surfboards, chasing yep. them off. It's yep. wild. It's her house, baby. It's her house, and we're just in it. And there's such a fascinating lineage because her mother, also an otter, I guess that's not surprising. I hope. She got acclimated to humans, to being fed by people and so on and so forth. So then she gets brought in, her mother, Otter723, uh, and sent to live at the Marine Wildlife Veterinary Care and Research Center in Santa Cruz. After mm. she's brought in, this is the mother, they find out that she's pregnant. She gives birth to this pup. This pup ends up being the famous Otter 841. Now, what's interesting about it is the caretakers would dress in like Darth Vader outfits so that the little baby otter did not become acclimated to people. Eventually, they turn her loose into the water. Yeah. And something happened, right? Something about her mother's affinity for humans or curiosity or eagerness somehow must have transferred because... The little otter wasn't trained to be around people, but somehow yeah. here she is, 841, yeah. inherited her mother's curiosity and sort of general hoggishness about humans' crap. She's got that dog in her. What can I say? You know what I yeah. mean? It's a lot like the origin story of Eleven from Stranger Things. That's a really good point. Terrifying psychic powers. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's how, maybe, maybe the, we created this thing. We could have. Yeah. What's the thought experiment, Brandon? <laughs> the, the thought experiment is simple, which is you're a surfer. What would you do if Otter eight four one happened to you? Oh wow! How do you react it, to that? I, I mean, we, we I would be terrified. Sharks. I would be so scared. Well, first, it's a weird. I, I would have mixed feelings because they're so yeah. darn cute. They hold hands when they sleep. You know about that? I've seen the t-shirts. I hope that's real too. And that's it just not real. part I've of, like, they it. had a good PR guy. No, it's, yeah. I'd have mixed feelings because I'm sure they could mess you up. Like, a bite from a wild animal, it would be extremely painful. 
I don't know. I'd be freaked out. So she bites, but she also like destroys surfboards too. Primarily, yeah. She's taking chomps out of apparently beginner surfboards are a particular mm-hmm. delicacy. Don't know why. Maybe it's more tender meat than the yeah. uh, more seasoned surfboard. I don't know. Oh, like a fo- they're the foamies. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I think if I saw her out in the in the wild, I'd I'd find the nearest chair, like desk chair. I'd turn it backwards. I kind of sit down with my arms over the back of the chair, put my hat backwards. Uh oh. Just kind of rap with her, you know. Yeah. That See makes where sense. she's coming from. Yeah. The other option I thought that you might entertain would be one of revenge, where you'd go into her kelp field and post up mm-hmm. and just like live in the kelp field and be like, "How do you like this?" I mean, she definitely has the upper hand because I would try to live in the kelp field. I would only be going deeper into her lair mm-hmm. effectively. Yeah, no, that's true. That you're only making things worse for yourself. And and I'd drown. You'd drown. And I was yeah. just trying to exercise. That's all you're trying to do. You're just a visitor in that place. And the otters among themselves would be like, oh, human 948. Yeah. You know what this otter has, sort of? Kind of like a small town mindset vibe. That's right, yeah. Stay out of my you know, Stay, stay out, out of, of my zone. Yeah. yeah. It is interesting when you start thinking about what it means to have a territory that is mm-hmm. yours and how you define that and who belongs there, who yeah. doesn't belong there. Yeah. I mean, that extends beyond, Stephen, the animal kingdom. Definitely. And into... It's bigger than kelp, man. It's bigger than kelp. <laughs> it's bigger than kelp. <laughs> and I'm afraid that's what we're going to be talking about today here on Journos. It certainly is. We begin this episode, Stephen, talking about country music. The music of the country. Yeah. And and city. And cities. And city. It's, it's everybody's it wide. It has a wide appeal. There are a couple of songs that have there come are. out of the country radio world that, you know, everything gets politicized. You can't avoid it. One's called Try That in a Small Town. Suck punch somebody on a sidewalk. Carjacking old lady at a red light. Pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store. You think it's cool. And the other one is called Rich Men north of from Richmond. North, north of Richmond. Richmond. It's a Rich Men North of Richmond. Yep. I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay, so I can sit out here and waste my life away, drag back home and drown my and, troubles away. you know, I'd call these two songs a dyad, wouldn't you? If I knew what that was, I probably would. I think it's like a triad, but two. Oh yeah, if you chop off, you know, legs. they're kind of they're kind of the it's sort of a binary star system, mm-hmm. right? These two yeah. songs. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, Jason Aldean wrote "Try That in a Small Town," and it's a yeah. it's an excoriation of all the behaviors that he attributes to big city life. You know, we're yeah. just lousy with uh, drugstore robberies and old lady muggings and that sort of yeah. thing. And the imagery in that music video is, is uh, potent, to be to be sure. Yeah, I mean, it looks like you know, looks like something out of CNN, or maybe more accurately, something out of Fox. But the mm. whole thing is supposed to be a commentary on not just big city life, but I think particularly big city life in liberal places, which is yeah. most cities. I mean, most cities tend yeah. to be more democratic. So totally. there's a there's a thing there. And, and this song has rocketed to the top of the charts as an anthem for, you know, time and place in America where 
people couldn't just do whatever, where there was there was order and you knew your community and, I don't know, everybody got along and they didn't put up with any shit from outsiders. Yeah, no, and obviously we got to address, we're here recording in Los Angeles, perhaps, the, the absolute embodiment of everything that both of these songs are kind of about. And so, you know, that's not lost on us or me, but... One thing about the Try That in a Small Town bit that I find interesting is that it has a number of calls to action around, like, vigilante justice, right? The whole thing is basically an anthem of vigilante justice. But at the same time, that sort of, I would say, constellation of beliefs is nowadays very pro-law and order and the police, right? So there's an inherent irony there, I guess. But... Eat, and then you have the rich men of, of you know north of Richmond, rich men of north, rich men north of Richmond. The two gets me that 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 gets me, and you know that's also directed at yeah like big city uh, liberal lifestyle. Yeah, I think it's it's about the working man. It's about the blue collar. I've been selling mm-hmm. my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay. You're wasting your life. They want to have total control. That's about politicians that are taking all of our tax money. And he points some of his ire at the rich are taking away from us, but then he's he's against welfare and Yeah. And, and overweight people. There's a whole there's a line in there about the overweight folks on welfare. You know, one thing I'll say is out of these two songs, the the Richmond song is it's I think it's not a it's not a bad tune. It sounds like oh. kind of a, an older sort of days of your country tune, like a Hank Williams t- inspired sort of deal. For sure. I, yeah. On its face, I, I I actually don't hate the song. I'm not I, I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie. Like I mean, it's crazy how popular both of these songs became in in the amount of time that they it, that they did. Right. The Oliver Anthony Rich Man of North Richmond song that thing went to number one in like a few days, and apparently there was this kind of impromptu concert that attracted enough people to have like 25 acres of cars yeah which i love as a measurement it's not seventy thousand seats or you know a five hundred thousand dollars in tickets sold it's it's how many acres i mean but again i lived in richmond virginia the town that is just south of where the rich men lived and you know when i lived there you would see this kind of music you see people just playing this in the bars oliver anthony lives in farmville virginia just outside of Richmond. And, you know, there's a lot of that kind of roots music, the Americana, that sort of Appalachian influence stuff. Great stuff. And I think about like a decade ago or 15 years ago or whatever, hearing these kind of songs, it could be almost exactly that same kind of song. You might always stumble over making fun of fat people, or it would be tongue in cheek and people in the bar would laugh like, ha ha, he's being an asshole on purpose. But the idea behind it would be sort of universally accepted by everybody, kind of regardless of your political leanings, because what he's saying is essentially that there are these elites, political elites, corporate elites, whatever, and that they're driving things, and that there's a lot of us who are very much in the passenger seat. I mean, he could be doing a duet with Noam Chomsky, right? Like, there's, politically speaking, that's not a particularly controversial statement, or at least it's one that is echoed by a lot of people. Oh, most certainly, or maybe that's that's the difference I think of this of the Richmond song and the uh, try that in a small town. Try that in a small town is literally a threat in the title, and you know this song I think does have more 
to it. And it is connecting with a large portion of people in America. And it's super important to listen to that. And I think that's almost the danger of the culture war coming for country music and all of us and our children in our homes is that, again, aside from some of the stuff in, in the song, there's some straightforward messaging many people for years have subscribed to on both the left and the right. You know, if you took that Oliver Anthony song and you did it in a Bob Dylan voice, except for the fat shaming part, like everybody would be like, oh yeah, you know, like he's a poet. But because this is couched, word of the day, because this is couched in this current just bananas culture war that we're in, everybody is taking these songs and run with it. Either in some ways over-indexing on this song to be like, this is the new anthem of the world and making it what it is now. Or on the other end, like the left saying like, oh, this is what's wrong with, you know, this group of people, right? I, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I, I think the right is particularly excited about adopting this as an anthem and like making news out of the fact that like he's saying something and the left is afraid to hear it. But then the New Yorker, Jay Caspian King at the New Yorker, reviewed the whole thing or wrote about this phenomenon of Richmond, north of Richmond, and was like, it's a good song. He's got a good voice. Probably if he's around in a year or two, touring or he cuts an album or whatever he's going to be singing about other stuff and i'm sure he'll be happy to have moved away from this uh, you know the springboard to instant yeah. fame i'm sure he doesn't mind he does I, yeah it's a cool I, it is I, I, i'll go out and say it's it, it's a it's a cool song i mean it's it's super raw it feels super visceral again i'm not like you're not I'm mad not, at it I, i'm not super mad at it. i mean this is the other thing you think about like oh my gosh if we were to write out to start start going on side versus side, left versus right. Let's write out everybody's lyrics and see who's the better person. I think where you're going to find a lot of interesting messages and in like metal songs or hip hop songs or any number of different songs. You know what I mean? So it's like, it, that's what I mean by like the songs are just living in this culture war. So they've taken on this life of their own, which I yeah. think everybody either loves to point to as this new anthem of their life or loves to like clutch their pearls and say look at these people at it again kind of like this is what's wrong with the right and i, I just don't know if any uh, either is true i i will say i hate the jason aldean song just because yeah. I, I i just don't like it well that's much more mainstream and it's clearly writing to an audience and writing to a perspective and i think yeah uh, that video, the concept of the video for Oliver Anthony, I thought was pretty cool. Just in the woods with a microphone and all that. Yeah, some dogs. Jason Aldean, he set up shop in front of a, a city building in a town in Tennessee where there was a famous lynching in the 20s, right? So I, I think that the Jason Aldean song is just so much more mean-spirited and insidious than, it, 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 than I think the Oliver Anthony song is. That's how I feel about it. I think that's fair to feel that way. You know, everything becoming politicized, it's not surprising that these songs did too, but it also feels somewhat half-hearted a little bit. Like, it, it feels yeah. sort of super earnest for some media to make a big thing of it. Fox News keeps writing about Jason Aldean's thing, and and people are responding to it very strongly. But it also seems like it's one of those non-phenomena. phenomena. Like, okay, you know, it just shows that that there's a there's a desperation to to capture the flag to claim these these totems mm. of of cultural supremacy 
or whatever. Whereas once yeah. upon a time, I feel like a song like Richmond, North of Richmond, again, when I lived there, it'd be, it just wouldn't raise an eyebrow that much. It wouldn't feel yeah. like, oh, the conservatives got one. You'd be like, no, this is a fairly astute song about class and elitism. And again, uh, there's some weird conflicts there of who really the threat is. Like, are, are, are rich people the threat or are people on welfare the threat? So, you know, there's that kind of reflexive distrust of government. Now, Stephen, I don't know what the full editing process on Try That in a Small Town was. I don't know if there were stanzas that were left on the cutting room floor. I don't know mm. if there's some longer version. I'll tell you one thing you can't do in a small town. Oh, what's that, Brandon? And that is practice journalism. Woo! Sure, yeah. I'll tell you one thing that they did try in a small town recently was uh, it was actually in a small town, about a few thousand people in Marion County, Kansas. The local law enforcement there got all Gestapo on a local newspaper called the Marion County Record. They rolled up into the office, flashed kind of a bullshit search warrant, took all their stuff, raided a local politician's home and raided the uh, owner of the newspaper's home where his elderly mother lived and this is just terrible a few days later that woman died and the cause of death has been thus far attributed to the stress of the raid on her in her son's home now since then there's been a, a huge outcry rightfully so in the press across the country in the world to really sound the alarm that this is a dangerous infringement upon free speech of the press. And since then, the materials have been returned. But, wow, was it a circus. All of a sudden, this small town got just thrust, you know, onto a global stage. And it's a story, I think, that similar... You know what? You know what, Brandon? What, Stephen? Those country songs, right? They got all popular because they tapped into something that, that people were looking for right? There, there's an environment at play where any one of these songs come in and suddenly it ri rises to prominence because that's where people are at. Well, right now, I feel like people are pretty afraid of things ab around free speech, around totalitarian governments, around the freedom of the press, so that when this small action by a police department of less than 10 officers raided this small town weekly newspaper, it just struck so many chords. But wow, is this town having a day? Yes, it is. And it is. And you know, the thing about stories like this is you can say, well, it's a small town. What is it all about? The newspaper, the Marion County Record, owned by a guy named Eric Meyer. His father ran it before him. And the story concerns a restaurant owner who had kicked these reporters out of a meeting with a U.S. representative. And it all circles around the restaurant owner having lost her driver's license and been convicted for drunken driving and trying to apply for another liquor license. And you can't do that if you have a, a drunken driving record. So that's yeah. where it was all it's just about. Like messy, small. It's just like not even small town. It's just yeah. like messy drama. That sounds like something in like your high school friend group or something yeah. like yeah. Some, that happened or something. Yeah. So very weird small town high school but also interesting because of the repercussions, which I think is important. So here's more on the story from another publication called The Kansas Reflector. Quote, a reporter with the Marion Record used a state website to verify the information, meaning about the restaurant owner's drunken driving conviction, verify the information provided by the source. 
But Meyer, that's the editor of the paper, suspected the source was relaying information from Newell, that's the restaurant owner's husband, who had filed for divorce. Meyer decided not to publish a story about the information, and he alerted police to the situation. We thought we were being set up, Meyer said. So you have the woman who owns a restaurant, drunk driving. Um, Somebody secretly, deep throat style, gets in touch with the editor of the paper, says, hey, you should know that she's applying for this license and she's got this drunk driving record. The editor smells a rat, says, I don't know if I trust this story. He confirms it with the public records, says, well, it's true, but we're not going to run it anyway because it feels like something weird is going on. But then he calls the police to say, hey, just wanted you to know this is going on. The police then turn around and tell the restaurant owner who complains at a city council meeting and says, you know, the newspaper has illegally obtained this information about me and these are sensitive documents and it's illegal, it's illegal, it's illegal. So then the newspaper publishes a story that says none of that happened. And then the next day, police officers show up at Meyer's house, that's the editor of the paper, and the newspaper office. They have the search warrant, as you said, that alleges identity theft and unlawful use of a computer. Yeah. And then they take all these items. And, and so you have to wonder, like, well, what the heck is going on? Well, the thing is about this Marion County Register is that they're kind of badasses. Uh, according to a New York Times piece on them, quote, the record, which has seven employees and a circulation of about 4,000, is known for its fiery editorials about local officials and uncommonly aggressive reporting for a paper of its size. But it's also a small town paper with small town concerns. Last week's top story was about a 10-year-old who is learning to play guitar at a local senior center, right? So these guys are bringing firepower with their reporting, right? And in that spirit, when they got a new police chief, Gideon Cody, who came over from Kansas City, Missouri, they did some investigation on him and uncovered, you know, some some allegations of misconduct, sexual misconduct at his old job. So they were sniffing around. The police knew that they were sniffing around. And so that's kind of this other dimension to the story that, again, it kind of it's weird in researching this. It, they All of this exists in piecemeal throughout the reporting about this. Right. Like, you know, I had to kind of go to a different source to figure out the angle about the, the, the police chief thing. But when so when you put it all together, the picture becomes pretty clear about what happened. Right. Like the police just flexed on these people because they were a thorn in their side. Clearly. There's some kind of like sway that this restaurant owner has over at the police station. And they thought that they could get away with doing this again, like I said, Gestapo style stuff in this small town. But Jesus Christ, did that blow up in their face, right? Yeah. And the prosecutor for the county said this search warrant wasn't obtained reasonably. And that's when, as you said earlier, they then had to return all of their stuff. And right now, Meyer and his lawyers are going through all the computers and all the hardware to make sure that it wasn't looked at by the police. They think that it wasn't, but they're doing a forensic on it to make sure they didn't like extract anything or look at anything because then that would be Mm -hmm. a violation. And there's an irony here where on the one hand you can say, this is a small town paper. These are small town police. It's, you know, it's, we're making a mountain out of a molehill. What I like is that it did blow up so much because first of all, we know that local journalism is in danger It's in decline across the country. There are what's called news deserts everywhere. Papers like the Marion County Record are evaporating everywhere. They're hard to maintain. They cost money. And, you know, any little thing like this can shut it down. And this isn't even the only example of something like this. Way back in December 2021 in Asheville, North Carolina, 
there were a couple of reporters with a publication called the Asheville Blade that were reporting on police clearing out a homeless encampment from a park. The police arrested them, and that precipitated this long court case, which now, two years later, took a really weird turn because a judge ruled against them, saying that they were actually inconveniencing police. And this has raised all kinds of eyebrows because this is a real infringement on the journalist's First Amendment right to see what police are doing. But instead, this judge is again saying, no, no, they were getting the cops way. They weren't letting the cops mm. do their jobs. And again, Asheville, small town, although, you know, it's kind of a hip place people like to go, a little bit hippie, a little bit artsy. But, you know, the fact that this story and the one in Marion County are both happening is concerning because it's it's a question of is this some sort of trend that is picking up steam? Is this Are people feeling empowered to interfere with journalism? We know that the right has kind of been on the warpath against journalism for a while. And, you know, there's this distrust. And in fact, the restaurant owner in Marion County, who had caused all this trouble, uh, wrote on her Facebook account that, quote, journalists have become the dirty politicians of today, twisting narrative for biased agendas full of muddied half-truths. We rarely get facts that aren't baited with misleading insinuations, end quote. So that's a little bit of a uh, dog whistle to the forces of anti-journalism everywhere. Yeah. Um, And, you know, just because it's happening in a small town ain't mean it's not important. And, you know, in here, in this case, it reminds me of uh, of a little story. I love little stories. It reminds me of a story of a plucky otter. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. Where, where some people came into her house, mm-hmm. tried to muck things up, Yeah. but then she fought back. And in this case, in case I need to draw a map, the the you see what I'm saying here? The the the, the newspaper. No. Okay. Brandon, yeah. is the otter. The newspaper is the otter. Yeah, and the police were the beginner surfers. And the surfboard is authoritarianism. The surfboard is authoritarianism. It is. The, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it is state-controlled violence. And that is how you metaphor. Okay. And that's how you metaphor in a small town, Stephen. <laughs> that's how you do it. Um, well, Stephen, I feel like we've gone through some moral quandaries today yep. about, mm-hmm. you know, about life and about surfing and about yep. wildlife. Yeah. And about roots music. Sure. About journalism. All happening in a little place I like to call journos. Stephen, this has been Jernus. I'm Brandon R. Reynolds. And I am Stephen Jackson. And we'll see you next time here in our little corner of the world. Take care.